0: My guest today is the Head of Sales for the Mid-Market at UK, at Pinterest. Claire Conlon, you're very welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be here.
0: Claire, I'm fascinated by the idea of somebody who works in sales for Pinterest because in my mind, Pinterest is a social media platform and I'm kinda of wondering who who buys it. So I'd like to get into that in a moment. I am fa- genuinely fascinated by it. And I know you worked a lot, you have a, a strong sales background in in the newspaper industry. Yeah. And, and and you started out life in Red Fm in Cork. Did you sure. grow up in Cork?
1: I did not actually. No, I'm I'm a dub. Uh, my okay. parents are actually from Limerick. Um Oh, yeah they both moved to Dublin for to the big smoke for um for jobs uh so now I'm born and raised in uh Rothmines uh the youngest of five kids uh <laughs> yeah, yeah you're like nodding there um but yeah lived lived in Rathmines my whole life till I was around I think I moved to Cork pretty young I was about 18 or 19 I had a great opportunity to work for an amazing person who's since past, but uh, Henry Condon was setting up Red FM, so I went down there, uh, started off as his PA, and then went on to become the marketing manager there. So I was there for a couple of years and came back to Dublin.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, youngest of five, mm. were were you raised by your siblings then?
1: Um, I mean, I, I guess so. I mean, yeah, the uh, the eldest. My brother, Simon, is exactly seven years to the day older than me. He's the eldest. So the seven years bookended yeah. between yes. uh, between all of us. So, yeah, I mean, there was definitely a lot of a lot of raising uh, going on. Co-parenting, I guess. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, both my parents worked. Um, my mom actually gave up her career to help raise us because we were just obviously wild. You know, five kids under yeah. the age of eight yeah. or whatever it was.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, they say that I, mean, I was fourth. Now, although there's a big, much bigger gap, there's 20 years between my elder sister and my younger sister, oh, wow. and so they so they're quite spread out. But they say that, and I would have experienced this a little bit myself. Parents are the first one, first child. You like when our first child was born. I'm not kidding. This is not a word of a lie. We we were living in Leicester at the time. We came home from the hospital, and when we went to give him a bath, we had a manual, instruction manual on how to bath a kid. And we're there with our elbow in the water trying yes. to test the temperature, right? So with you're, your first, you're paranoid. I would imagine by number five, it's like, they're tired. <laughs> and it's just like, go out and play. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was the 80s, the, though, with, no? Sorry, say that again?
1: I think that was also the 80s, though. You know, <laughs> just yeah. off we go, come back in when it's dark, come back in when you're hungry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> and is there anything in that growing up that you had then in Dublin that would have pointed to a career in sales?
1: Um, no, I mean, neither of my parents kind of worked in sales or media, um, but from a pretty young age, I was really interested in media. I was really interested in... I actually wanted to work in PR. When I was like mm. pretty young, I was like, that's what I want to do. And my mom, who's just like such an amazing, amazing woman. She made it her a point to get me work experience during one of my school holidays in a, a PR agency in Wilson Hartnell at the time. Uh, so I spent my midterm break working in WHPR and they were fantastic. So like such a great bunch of people. And at the end of that week, I was like, mm, no, I don't want to do PR. <laughs> so mm. I I definitely was always interested in media more so. Um, And yeah, I just yeah. kind of, I I, yeah. I guess I always knew I would end up in media. I just didn't know in what, guys.
0: Yeah. I'm curious as to what you thought PR was and why, then, when you experienced some of it, it really didn't grab you.
1: Um, I think, with, uh, you know, when you're a teenager and, you know, you want to be this, like, I, I guess I thought PR was more like backstage, um, you know. Abfab. I'm I, Yeah, actually, probably I was a bit I was a bit too young, probably for ABFAB. But yeah, you're right. Okay. That type of like very fabulous, darling type of uh, thing. Maybe that was what drew me to it. And then I guess in the reality, I realized uh, that Pure was such a different machine. It was such a different beast. Um, and I absolutely respect it. Oh, my God. I, I, I mean, I just think I probably couldn't do it. I think my English uh, my English scores would have been high enough you know, in journalism to, to have that mm-hmm. element of it. Uh, I think my experience there, uh, and it was only a week, it was just a a little placement, you know, just to see how I liked it. I mean, they didn't have to do anything for me, so they were very kind to give me the time. Mm. Um, I think I just realised that it was not like what I guess the TV or or movies maybe led me to believe it was. Um, Mm. So, yeah, and I I guess, and that was a really valuable learning for me, right? My mum made Mm. it a point to be like, okay, if this is something you want to do, let's see if we can get you a flavor of that before you decide what you want to do in college. Mm.
0: And you work then in a number of newspapers after Red FM in, sale, in different sales roles.
1: Yeah.
0: That's not an easy sales role. That's real kind of street level. There's, there's no place for the shy or the work either the work shy or those who uh, won't put themselves out there and, and, and get the business like this. It's, it's an unforgiving sales type job.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I uh, I am so grateful for the training that I got. I started off in the Irish Times, and that was the place where you just really like learn. You, you're like, in, when I started there, I don't have the same case now, but it was all the classified advertising. So you started at the very entry level. You weren't allowed to go straight in to sell back page ads. Oh no, you had to do like what they called reception. You'd take the incoming calls of people like trying to sell their car and then you're trying to like, obviously sell them, you know, how to make their ad stand out. Like, do you want a picture? You know, but, um, and and that for me was my very first sales job. And I absolutely loved it because nine times out of 10, I was speaking to the business owner or the owner of the thing that they were selling. So, um, you got to really understand like that this is someone's livelihood or this is someone, you know, so you, you would never want to sell them something that wasn't in their best interest. And it just gave me that really great, um, foundation of just like good honest to god like selling but like with a really good product like the irish times mm.
0: and is that then what so you're sure you're selling advertising you're selling basically eyeballs for people who want to speak to uh, a demographic mm. is that essentially then what you're doing with with pinterest the group you you run
1: yeah, so the team that I run, um, we sell into the UK and, and Irish market. Um, and our main responsibility is selling to kind of medium-sized businesses, both through agencies and direct. Um, mm. And yeah, we sell advertising, but we sell a, a highly engaged audience. I mean, I don't know if you're a Pinterest user, but um, you know, Pinterest is a place of discovery. It's a place of inspiration. Mm. Um, and where, where better to put your brand in a place where people are actually just actively looking for inspiration and ideas of how to live mm. their best lives and be their best mm. selves.
0: And I'm curious then, because I would imagine with something like Pinterest, that you have an incredible amount of data about what people's likes and preferences are. Somebody might put together a Pinterest board, for example, if they were planning a wedding or a holiday, whatever. And therefore, you have an incredible amount of data that you wouldn't have had, say, you know, you'd have had raw demographic data set with with the Irish Times, for example, but is incredibly different. Uh, How has that changed the the style of selling or, or, or how you sell the fact that you have all that data?
1: Yeah, it's such a good point. I mean the The way in which traditional media and online media is measured and held accountable is just they are miles apart and you know i used to I used to laugh at the fact that in some newspapers over the years, if you compared their circulation figures, which are audited very very strictly audited uh, versus their readership figures, in some cases, there are seven people reading every copy of certain tabloids. Every day, and you're like, really? Is that? But we would trade on that. Whereas Ugh. today, in on the online side, everything is is measurable, and and it's all you know. It's a challenging world because everything is sort of teed up for for the Googles of this world. You know, everything is like, well, the last click happened on Google, so therefore they get credit for everything. Whereas you know that our experience consuming media, You, I mean, I, I actually do like reading newspapers still, but I will read my, I will consume my media across the day in different, through different devices, different platforms, and who's to say how my journey is influenced by whichever ad. You know, I think the way it's measured is so, so tricky now. It's nearly overcomplicated because you need to understand the impact of, me seeing an ad on Pinterest while I'm planning my wedding or whatever it might be. But it's not just that, you know, people, they plan all sorts, you know, I'm trying to do up my hall stairs and landing at the moment. So I'm, you know, trying to think of like, you know, ideas for that. So if you're building your board and building your ideas, when you put an ad in front of me for, you know, either maybe a service or perhaps a, a, a carpet manufacturer, I don't know, it could be anything, um, that could be the actual deciding factor for me, not uh, mm. not what I later go and, and Google. So it's a really interesting world. It's changed so dramatically. And I don't think anyone has it pegged in terms of like how you measure the success of advertising in traditional media versus in, in online. But how you sell it, you're still selling the the this. It's the same. It's the same idea, right? You're selling the environment in which people are consuming information, whatever type of information that might be.
0: Mm. Do you look for different traits and characteristics in the salespeople you hire for that type of sale than you would have, say, in print media?
1: Um it's funny actually at the moment I am uh I am hiring and I'm really looking for people who have more of that I'm not gonna say traditional media sales experience, but I'm looking for people with more sales experience um in its real sense i think online the online world you know all like the digital sale is very different right you've got your big big players a lot of whom you know they it's not exactly the hardest sell. And I mean that with a lot of respect. And I want to be really careful what I say there. But, you know, it isn't a cold calling environment, right? Mm. I've worked in my previous company. That was a cold calling environment. You have to spell the name Quantcast every single time you'd be on the phone. Nobody knew what it was. That's a real sales job in 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 my view. I mean, there's so many elements to sales, as you know. But I think if, if you're a well-known brand, which, thank yeah. you, Pinterest is, uh, that definitely helps things because people are like, oh, yeah, no, I would like to speak to you. But, I, I you mm. know, we're in this hyper growth place where I'm looking for people with actually similar skills to what I would have looked for in, in newspapers that, you know, drive to just like speak to the right person, you know, get the time with them to actually put forward a really valuable proposition that could actually change their business uh,
0: for the better. Mm. So what do you think then drives you? What
1: drives me? Um, I mean, absolutely for me it's about watching my team achieve their goals and and grow i mean it sounds so cliched but like genuinely that's where i get all of my energy you know mm. watching my team overcome obstacles growing into roles i just hired i've hired seven people on my team this year so i have a team of 11 so far um mm. and it's continuing to grow and and watching each of those people just Get like figure things out, and you know every little thing that they do is adding to the bottom line. But it's also watching them uh, grow and and get into their roles more and more. It's just it, it, yeah, it absolutely energizes me fully.
0: I know I am smiling because I recorded a podcast has not gone out yet with a, another sales leader, and uh, I asked a similar question, and he he said that. You know, he says, "You probably don't get this answer very often, but it's seeing my team grow." And I said to him, "Actually, it's probably the most common answer to Brilliant. that question." Yeah, it's it's awesome. fascinating, and cause I, I, I think if you don't have that as a sales leader, you're not going to survive very long. Mm. If you're just eye centered and it's all about your 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 own your own revenue goal, then you you you're going to get isolated very quickly yeah and that you realize the good ones realize that if my team develop and grow then i succeed yeah exactly yeah, yeah. but that's that's very different to an individual contributor who's just out knocking on doors or hitting the phones where they only have to think of themselves mm. yeah it's, it's interesting one uh do
1: you think Sorry, just on the point about the individual contributor, though, I mean, I've definitely noticed, you know, this kind of next generation of sellers, they are very much aware that their success is directly linked to their team as well. I, I see far fewer selfish sellers oh. today than I did 10, 15 years ago. Do you know what I mean? And I think, I think that's a great thing. I think that's showing that people are kind of, maybe a bit more decent or less cut throws. I'm not sure what it is, but I, I feel like there's always that kind of added like sense of community and sense of responsibility that we all meet this goal. It's not just like me smashing my target. And, mm. Do you know what I'm trying to say?
0: I do. And I'm wondering if that's to do with the fact that if you have to cold call and you have to talk to strangers, you're going to take a lot of rejection. And in order to deal with that, you tend to develop a, a tougher exterior that mm. can appear that way and to others that it could appear like you have just got your head down hitting the phones to make your number or knocking on doors. Very true. And, and and that's removed somewhat nowadays because of, well, because of social media, but, um, but I also think there's a generational thing, there's a cultural thing in the generation is in terms of yeah. what they want to get out of work and what attracts them to a big brand as well. I think there's an element to that. It's It's like these things, it's complex. It's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. When you were growing up, who motivated you? Who inspired you?
1: I'd say both my parents inspired me um, for different reasons. I mean, they both built their careers kind of like from the ground up. You know, there was no uh, easy step for them. Um, I think from my mom's side, like... She she had to sort of reinvent herself, you know, but she was really successful. Very, very smart woman. Mm. She actually she was on the um, I was going to the front page. It's not true. It's the inside front page of the Irish Independent when she was pregnant with me because she got um, she got accepted into the bar. Uh, wow. So she was basically a newly qualified barrister with mm. four children under the age of seven and a fifth one on the way. So you know, how she, did, we, I
0: how know, did do she do that?
1: Uh, well, you'd have to get her on for a chat. I'd say, but she's uh yeah, she's a remarkable woman. Um, so she definitely motivated me because I guess she just always taught me, or, or certainly just made me believe that like nothing is impossible. You know, like you just need to obviously work really hard, but like don't think for a second that you can't achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. Um, Phenomenal.
0: Yeah that really is phenomenal that you yeah. can achieve that with with young kids i mean it would be so easy and understandable if you said look i was doing this there was no time yeah but uh wow yeah
1: so i'd say yeah. she definitely has been a big inspiration um my dad also though like he worked you know his whole way up uh, and ended up being the the big dog if you like the top job in a company that uh many times in his career there he was told you well you'll never get there you know so again someone who was but he was near the opposite he was like told he couldn't do it so he's like right I'm gonna do it (laughs) because he was told Mm. it wasn't gonna be possible so yeah Mm. I think they both really inspired me to just kind of you know stand up for myself but also like Mm. just not for a second think that something is out of my reach for any Mm. reason
0: does having role models like that Achievers, essentially, does that put pressure on you in any way to to emulate them in some way?
1: Um, I think probably when you're younger. Yeah, I think that's probably a natural part of like when you're, you know, figuring yourself out and wondering, have you made the right decisions? You know, have I I taken the right path? Um, But like nowadays, I don't feel like that at all. But I, I mean, I'd probably be I'd probably be lying if there was not an element of like, yeah, I need to like get. You know, I, I owe it to them to also, you know, be something. You know, um, mm, mm. But, but definitely don't feel that pressure in my older, my older yeah. years.
0: I'm smiling to myself when you said when you're younger trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to figure things out about who I am <laughs> and what, what I want to yeah. be when I grow up. So let me know what the secret is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't. Well, that's the other thing. I remember before my dad retired, he was going to do a course, and I was like sure you're like six months away from retiring are you mad I was like why are you doing a course and he like I was laughing slagging him off on the phone and he was like not finding that funny and he was like Claire you never stop learning and I was like wow oh oh god right sorry bad time for a joke but that stuck with me and that was like 10 years ago or 12 years or whatever it was and I was like oh my god this is so true and I guess just my naivety was like sure dad's about to retire he doesn't need to know anything else and he He shamed me into going, oh, actually, yeah, that's a good point. I will never stop learning.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It's funny that because just a moment like that can really embed a very important lesson in you that doesn't go away. That idea of you never stop learning. Mm. And, and it's funny the way these things happen because, you know, somebody might have said that to you again and again. And you just kind of, they tend to go in one ear and out the other. But in, in that moment. It's it's such a it's such a profound moment in terms of here's somebody who's going to retire and says no, you're never stopped. Interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's definitely stuck with me through, and and probably even that that just split second moment, you know, i I've, I think that has actually changed the course of my career as well because I actually did take a step back from my last role. I took a career break. I took a step down in terms of like level to join Pinterest. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I've never worked in social media before. I I have worked too long in a company. I was seven years in my role. I felt like I had done everything that I could do. And there was definitely someone ready to take my position. I was a bit like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not learning. I need to learn and I need to give make room for other people to learn, you know, by taking my role and I have to figure out my next move. And I actually, mm-hmm. now that we're saying, it, I wonder would I have been, able to make that decision Mm. if I hadn't had that exchange with my dad 10 or 12 Mm. years ago. (laughs) Mm.
0: What did you get out of, personally, what did you get out of taking time out uh, for yourself and taking time off?
1: I mean, I definitely learned, uh, well, uh, I I got about four weeks of doing the school run and being the stay-at-home mom and then the pandemic, started so okay. <laughs> i didn't actually get exactly the the break that i wanted but doesn't sound like a no <laughs> no but I, you know i wanted to spend more time with my kids i got to do that mm. <laughs> plus some um i got to homeschool my kids but you know i really got to i suppose find myself again i think it's so mm. easy when you've got a high pressure job um and you've been in a company for a long and you know it's like dog years in tech, you know, <laughs> like oh. once you're in a, a company for like four or five years, I think it's like, whoa, OK, that's a long time in tech, in my view, in ad tech anyway. Um, I think that I I just needed to reconnect with myself and kind mm-hmm. of figure out like who was I, because if you start thinking that every interaction you have with your friends or family seems to have something to do at work. Like whether it's you're talking about what's happening at work. Are you traveling loads? Oh, is it hard? The, you know, it's like, God, I have nothing else to talk about than work. Mm. So, yeah, reconnecting with myself. I did a lot of yoga. I know it seems very stereotypical, but that's been even amazing just for my mental health. Mm. Uh, reconnecting with my kids. Just reconnecting has been so important. Mm. Um, and what
0: did you learn about yourself that's been a positive
1: I've definitely learned that I'm far more resilient than I probably gave myself credit for. Mm. Um, and and I respect my mental health a lot more. I think, you know, when you're in a situation where you're under a lot of stress and, and you're kind of like, what am I doing? Actually, I'm going to take a step back, but you still have a mortgage to pay. It's really it's a battle right but mm. the fact that I think that I took that time it was the exactly right time I mean the pandemic aside mm. the timing was everything for that and and I realized I'm really much more self-aware and I'm much mm. more capable now of spotting if I need a, a mental mm. break you know just I, I just need I think I'm just far more tuned in and I respect my mental health
0: Mm. So much kudos more. to you because it, that takes courage i would imagine a lot of people would be afraid to take the break because they'd be afraid if i take time out will i be relevant yeah will i be able to step back onto the onto the treadmill yeah you know, I, I could understand that yeah no
1: it was you're uh, saying you got
0: more out of it
1: i mean no, i definitely it was a like a really difficult roller coaster especially with the pandemic because I mean, as as we all know, a lot of people lost their jobs during that time as well. So I was seeing the job market kind of be flooded with great people, younger people, uh, you know, all that. And I was kind of thinking, oh, my God, I've timed this so poorly. Yeah. But it, that's something as well that's out of your control. And then you have to say, look, everything happens for a reason. I mean, I know I'm good at what I do. I just need to remind myself of that and not, you know, let the inner critic tell me otherwise. And, and yeah, you've
0: got to get through it. And in what you're doing now, currently, what's giving you the greatest sense of achievement or accomplishment?
1: Um, Definitely. I mean, it, it's a number of things. I think the beauty about joining a company like Pinterest, I mean, we're not a startup, but we feel like a startup in Europe. Um, we've only been selling ads in Europe for about, two and a half years so there's there's a long way to go um i love solving problems i love um bringing people along as well and and um uh, and yeah it's kind of just building out this team watching the growth obviously hitting our targets is i mean it should go without saying but it's important to, to call out you know you want to be hitting your targets um but i i still the greatest satisfaction i get is just seeing a happy team feeling that the team and I are connected, even though it's virtual and I've never been into the office. I've, you know, I've started this job remotely from this attic room Mm. uh, a year actually ago this week. So I've been doing it a year from this room. Um, But yeah, what I I enjoy most is the fact that we've managed to build this amazing team that are so connected. We know exactly what we're working towards. We're hitting our goals and we're having fun doing it, which I think is Mm. for me. I mean, mm. one of the most important things is to be able to have a laugh
0: while you're doing mm. it. And, and without that, that office there, without the physical connection, how do you maintain a motivated team? What accommodations have you had to make or adjustments in your own management style to, to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose it was a it was an adjustment for me as well because it was my first time remote managing and a lot of these people had already worked through the pandemic for about 10, well, maybe whatever, seven or eight months, I'm not sure how long, before I then joined. Um, so for me, I mean, I kind of think of it like it's about kind of showing, I, I kind of coined this, I was talking to my husband one night, I was like, it's about being virtually vulnerable. You know, like showing virtually that you yourself are struggling if you're struggling. And, you know, and I I was struggling with like, I'm trying to figure out the product. I'm trying to figure out who's who I'm trying to figure out. I don't even know where the toilet is in the office because I've never been into the office. So trying to figure out everything and, you know, and then hiring a team really quickly, then being like, also, I don't have the answers. But I made a point of sort of being virtually vulnerable in every sense of the word. Like I wanted them to know when I was struggling, if I didn't have the answer, I wasn't going to BS them. You know, I'm like, I will find the answer or let's find it together. Um, so uh, but I, that's my management style has always been about just being very honest, very direct. Um, and and I, I tried to build that through video. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you like I, I don't think I've changed my my style too much but again you're building building relationships through like virtually is is in itself a skill i think everyone's just gotten much better at over the last year or two yeah um, so i don't think i've changed that much but yeah, I, yeah. definitely from from a uh, motivating the team, I think it's all about just making sure that you're being completely authentic, you know, and, and really showing them that you hmm. understand and you're not like, you know, you're not looking at your screen and typing here while someone's, you know, hmm. you know, you need to be truly with them uh, as much as possible.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that if you're in an office, and particularly when you're trying to get up to speed in an organization and learn about the culture and the products and the people, it's a lot easier if you can just you know, you go by somebody's desk, grab them for a cup of coffee and say, Look, can you help me with this? Whereas online everything is much more structured and yeah. little boxes like I've got half an hour with you and then I have ten minutes with you and it's yeah. it's
1: And no yeah. time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Apparently no one gets to use the bathroom anymore. It's like half an hour, half an hour, half an hour, half an hour break. Whoa, you know.
0: But Yeah. The good news is you can have a potty by your desk and nobody will know. <laughs>
1: Well, now you're telling your secrets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just us. <laughs> Tell me, I'm curious if you were to retire in the morning and you could, and your kids didn't need you there. Let's say they were grown up. Um, what would you do? Oh wow.
1: Um... I mean, I still think like what my dad is saying, you know, you kind of still need to keep learning. Right. Um, So I wouldn't be like, oh, I'll do the garden. (laughs) Um, I think I still have so much energy. You know, I I feel like I have so much more to give. um, So I would probably I'd probably do two things. I think I would uh, pick up more of my hobbies, my old hobbies. I used to be in the Dublin Gospel Choir um, and I absolutely loved my time. With them for about 12 years or something. And I've tried to go back many times. I tried to go back when I gave up my last job and then it all stopped because of COVID. So uh, I'd love to do a bit of that, but that's more like a hobby. I think there's probably two things I'd like to do. I would either like to work in some sort of a like not-for-profit situation, just helping them really understand more about their marketing strategy more about maybe how they could do things differently i think small to medium businesses actually need a bit more help because they're usually you know one or two people bands and 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 you know the person who's responsible for marketing is also responsible for sales and yes they're they're linked but are they you know are they approaching it the right way i'd love to either you know help businesses in that way whether that would be a business of my own or like helping through non-profit um Depends on depends on if I was retiring tomorrow with uh, enough money to keep me going, I suppose.
0: Yeah, the choir thing is interesting because it's, it's more than a hobby. It's it really is a social outlet, and yeah. it's 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 incredibly good. I believe I've never done it, but I'm I'm told it's very good for your mental health as well.
1: Oh yeah, huge, hugely. Um, I mean, particularly like any any kind of social uh, group where you've got a kind of you all have one the shared goal and and in Mm. in gospel music in in any kind of singing environment it's to sound beautiful and to produce Mm. something that actually can in some cases reduce you to to tears by Mm. its sheer beauty I mean that that's like that's the gift for me like that's that, yeah, I, I absolutely, you're making me want to go back
0: to choir now. <laughs> so yeah, no, that. I can. I, it's, it's, it's off. I think for now that it's, yeah, still no not back. I think they're doing something outdoors for Christmas carols. I read somewhere that they were only doing it outdoors, yeah. uh, which makes it kind of hard to practice and get together as well. You know, the performance yeah. I could imagine, it's fine, but uh, it's the rest is, is problematic. But yeah. uh, ho- hopefully, fingers crossed no one said too much more about that yeah yeah um if your house were on fire and your kids and family if you have any pets they're all safe okay and you had you had time to run back in and grab one item and save it what would it be and why
1: one item Hmm. oh um I mean, the practical side of me—I'm. <laughs> I can be a bit like. Well, I—I grab that folder that has everyone's PPS numbers or marriage certificates because <laughs> I have one of those. I know exactly where it is, uh, yeah. and it's beside the passports. So I'd be like, I'd probably just grab that area, but. Um now that you've said it, there's a bracelet that my mom gave me on my wedding day, uh that her mum gave her on her twenty first that was gifted to her mother in nineteen sixty four, I believe, is the thing.
0: That has uh, everything else is replaceable, but yeah, that is
1: exactly. Yeah. So it's funny because immediately my practical brain was like, passport. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: yeah. yeah, now that you said The that logical mind- brain is get the passports, the emotional is the uh is the bracelet.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could probably think of 10 other things, but yeah, that's the one that just sprung to mind when you said it.
0: Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your, your leadership journey that in transitioning from sales where you, you it's your target. Now you're trying to achieve that same thing, but, but through a team. And so the team become your focus what have been the big lessons for you in that where you've, where you've had to uh, uh, not necessarily adapt your style, but just there were kind of aha moments for you that you said, Oh, okay. That's how it works.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose, unfortunately a lot of people have like, like we get our learnings from having not great managers at times in our careers. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm actually thankful for those people because they've taught me what not to do, you know, so many times. I mean, I've been in mm. situations where I've seen, you know, managers kind of, you know, take advantage of the team uh, so to line their own pockets when it comes to like, quota setting and things like that. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm not invested in you at all, you know. Mm. So I think having had you know those experiences that maybe weren't ideal you know over many years um they kind of build up the person that you are and they 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 teach you how like what not to be um so i think in terms of like like hitting quotas it's it's all about having that like really clear uncomplicated vision that the team has to be bought into and it doesn't need to be some convoluted like you know we could write a book with this stuff because usually it's not that it's it's very simple very clear path to success mm. and once everyone is on that path i i just find everyone pulls that direction if, if if people aren't involved in that discussion though it's sort of like you could you could really miss the mark you know and and I think you've got to be careful to kind of be like, you know, we are not, sadly, we are not curing cancer. We are not doing any of those more, far more um, uh, impressive uh, um, and noble um, actions, but we are um, we are driving business. We're helping businesses grow and we are helping this business grow. Um, and yeah, I like to kind of just make sure that we're all just, you know, rowing the same direction and all that, but like bought into the the vision.
0: Yeah, if businesses don't grow, cancer research research doesn't get funded. True, true. You know, these are all connected yeah. at some level, and people get yeah. to live a life and provide a home for their kids and meals yeah. for their kids and an experience. Um, the, I don't think there's 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 no in my book there's no type of job that isn't noble.
1: Yeah, no, Very well said. Yeah, I had a similar conversation. It reminded me many, many years ago, um, a friend of mine. Um, she was saying how she was kind of sick of working for like, you know, the man and wanted to work for a charity. Um, uh, but she was like, well, in her in her naivety, she was like, but I want to be like the one who's doing this. And I was listening to her. I was like, hold on, you've no experience working for a nonprofit you and you want to be like straight in as like whatever the role was mm. and I remember saying to her no you go in at the ground and you work your way up if those if those stamps this is back when you had to lick stamps but I was like if there's no one to lick the stamps on the letters that go to the people that are donating to so the the monthly donors, the whatever you call them the contributors mm-hmm. or whatever um the donations don't come in that role is just as important as whatever the top role she was talking about. And Mm. it's funny because I remember she just stopped her tracks and went, Oh God, actually, (laughs) you're Mm -hmm. so right. And she went on to to work for a a very famous uh, NGO actually. So there you go.
0: Very good. Very good. You said something else that reminded me actually of another conversation. You talked about you having worked for managers who took advantage of people that has informed your style. And it was very similar conversation with somebody who'd worked in a call center that said it was like a boiler room and was very toxic. And as a result, their management style was the opposite of that. Um, which kind of led me to wonder there's there's a silver lining in every cloud, and that we often work hard to remove those negative experiences. Or the difficult work, the grunt work, when in reality they're actually they're they're critical almost to forming who we are. And sometimes I think it's like the I don't know if you remember that I I won't get the story exactly right, but it's like the the cat is it the butterfly who's inside the chrysalis and is trying to break out of it, and the the little kid comes over and tries to help it by taking you know to opening this chrysalis up. But then the butterfly, the, the act of pushing against the crystal to open, it strengthens the butterfly's wings. Yes. And that allows them to take off. Yes. But actually, by helping them, you have the opposite of the desired effect. And yes. I'm wondering, there must be a line somewhere when we manage people that the desire to help and the desire to you know give them all the training and all the yes. coaching that can sometimes... There, there, there must be a point somewhere, and I'm wondering how you manage that. How do you manage where they have to figure things out for themselves and push and grow their own, you know, strengthen their own wings versus a natural instinct? I would have thought to help.
1: Oh my God! You, like I love the fact that you brought this up because it's something that I, I don't say a battle with, but I'm, I'm such a big believer in training and and and, and giving everyone the tools they need. I think in sales in this particular role anyway I can say I think a lot of the the real growth and that real pressing that you're talking about happens on the job right so mm. uh you know I'm I I I don't want to put someone in a position where they are unprepared to t- t- for something whether it's like a, a one to many presentation in an agency or or, you know, presenting, uh, you know, a quite complex element of, of our business or, you know, measurement or whatever to a client that's going to be tricky. So uh, I think it's about understanding Have you if you give everyone what they need to be successful, you've got to then kind of then let them go, you know, and, and mm-hmm. let them off. Mm-hmm. And yes, they might trip, they might fall. That is absolutely part of it. But I always believe in just asking people straight up, like, how do you feel about it? How do you really feel about it? And if they say, I'm nervous, I'm excited, but I'm nervous. I'm like, perfect. Mm-hmm. Then you're ready. Because if you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, it's grand, I've got it. Yeah. Then they're not learning. They're not growing. They're not pushing against it, you know. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's about understanding what's the stretch. What's what's the bit that's going to get them like really excited and, and make them go, oh, my God, I did it!" Oh, my God, I did it!" Not, oh, my mm-hmm. God, she sent me in to the den, uh, the lion's den, and I didn't even know what I was talking about. You know, there's an element Mm. of I need to give enough guidance for them to know what they're to do, but it's up to them to do it.
0: Mm. You said earlier that you're currently hiring people. How do you, in the hiring process, make that assessment that these people have the drive, the ambition, they're open to learn, they're coachable, and they're willing to be vulnerable and put their hand up when they need it. What are the kind of tools or approaches that you would use to assess that they're they're a good hire in the first place?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the challenges that tech companies have is this quite drawn out interview process. So it's very formulaic, very, the first interview is going to be about critical thinking and that'll be the focus area. And then you're given these scripted questions which I understand we have to, and so it for me. This is a re- I found this quite uh, something I had to adapt to in this new role is to follow the script, but like try and get understand exactly what you've just said there between the answers. And so sometimes I'll ask the question, let them answer, and then I'll pick up on what they say to dig in. I mean, for me, it's like I really want people to to I I look for people who are self aware. That's that that's kind of the big telltale like the positive tell for me is like, if you're self-aware, we can go places. If you think you're something that you're not, or you think you're something that you're not, then, you know, what am I working with here? Um. So self awareness is something I look for. Um. I guess like that vulnerability as well. We, you know, one of the values in Pinterest is win or learn, which I absolutely agree with. Your wins are your wins, but if you didn't win, there's a learn in it. What's the learn? And so, when I ask those types of questions in interviews, I'll always put a big safety guard around it and be like, this is not a question to catch you out. I actually want you to give me more an example about something that you failed at because I want mm. to know how you fail. Um, and that tells me an awful lot about someone because some people can be like, oh, I don't I don't really fail. I, you know, blah, blah. And you're like, OK. If
0: you were... <laughs> If you, if you were a minister for education, if you were Norma Foley and you could make one subject mandatory <laughs> on the school curriculum, what would it be?
1: Oh, I feel like. I mean, I'd love I'd love business to be like a mandatory, but but not business as it maybe was taught in my direction. I actually didn't even do business in school.
0: Um, I did and I failed.
1: <laughs> really, see, I mean, I did. <laughs> like I, I did. I did a bit of accounting. I feel like the, the whole tax um, like people don't understand how to do their tax return. People, like people don't really understand the tax thing. I think there's something there that we could all, you know, take a few lessons in. Um, But yeah, I feel like like setting up your own business, you know, the basics mm-hmm. of of like entrepreneurial spirit. And I feel like the future is going to be much more dependent on entrepreneurs. You know, mm. we need this whole new generation. We've got so much digitally native geniuses coming up. I would love to see that, like my kids, and well, maybe a bit older, but like those that generation be taught, like this is how you'd set up your own business. These are the pillars of a good business. These are the things you need. These are things you'll probably have to outsource, but at least, you know, get people thinking about, like I can be whatever I want to be. 'Cause I've been mm. armed with that like one oh one of of business and I get it. It's in my blood mm. now because I was taught it when I was fourteen or whatever.
0: Mm. And in terms of the what you've gone through in the pandemic, what's been positive that you'd like to hold on to?
1: Walking my kids to school. <laughs> it's such a basic thing, but mm. I I was only thinking about this the other day, I guess because at the moment my kids are not in school because um we're in lockdown here in our house. But anyway, um I was only thinking the other day how back when I was in my old job and life was completely normal, I remember I'd be like, Put your shoes on, at quarter to eight in the morning. We'd be like, I'd be pushing the kids out the door to drop them to breakfast club and crash and then join the rat run to, you know into work to park to duh, 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 and it was all crazy 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 and then rush home do the same thing it was all rush 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 um i do miss being in the office but i don't miss those mornings of shouting at the kids when <laughs> it sounds bad but Ugh. you know putting children under pressure for no good reason like that you know tie your laces oh i'll just do it that was one of the things yeah. i remember a t- i actually have a chat with myself around the time that i decided to leave my last job was my son who would have been maybe four at the time uh like just turned four was trying to tie his laces and i didn't have time to let him do you know what i mean i was like mm-hmm. rushing i was like oh, i'll do it mm-hmm. and i was like jeez oh my god i've just didn't, mm-hmm. i've just deprived my four-year-old yeah. of a learning moment because that mm-hmm. one minute is going to change what what's it going to change in my morning yeah. the traffic you know yeah. crazy so absolutely just being able to be like right we're ready let's go we walk down you know my my company is absolutely fantastic in terms of like embracing work-life balance i start oh. work at quarter past nine because i walk the kids to school
0: oh. I'm,
1: I I and you get that quality time with the kids in the morning just chatting and seeing how they are and and knowing if they're if they're nervous about going to school if there's something wrong you know those are things that you did. we didn't get mm. when we were rushing, like shoving toast in their, <laughs> in their mouths. You're...
0: Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. And they see a different you too. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. a completely different person when you're relaxed and you're yeah. chatting to them and you're allowing them to tie their laces and, and learn that and, yeah. and talk about their day and who they're looking forward to spending time. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah, I think that's been the big one. Another one that people often... It's very similar, actually, but it tends to come mostly from men which is they're now getting to bring their kids to school yeah. a lot more yeah. than they would have in the past, I think. Uh, well, any working parent, for sure.
1: Yeah, my um, husband does, like, we, we share it, um, but, like, or he collects them, but it's just that yeah. freedom to just be like, we're yeah. so close to the school, so close to the after school. It's just great to be able to be, you know, 10 minutes away to collect them as opposed to, oh, yeah. I believe now it might be an hour, <laughs> you know, very stressful
0: yeah. and I think this has gone on so long now I don't I can't see that ever going back I can no. see that it's just too important to people and it's I think companies have realized though. that it's far more important to be on goal time than clock time that mm-hmm. you know that what you get done what you produce is more important than I uh, have to be there at a certain time
1: yeah yeah uh, absolutely I've, I've always been that type of leader as well like, I want to be respectful to people's time I'm not gonna clock watch but like Provided they're doing the work. I mean, obviously, if you've got a performance issue, it's a totally different ball game. But the remote thing as well, having had to homeschool as well, I was just like, look, I'm going to be honest. I'm blocking off half hour of homeschooling in the morning and a half hour of homeschooling in the afternoon every afternoon. That's just the reality, guys. And everyone's like, of course. And I'm like, and likewise. Please feel free to do the same because we're all figuring this out together. And I know you. I know you're good for the work. I know you're good for the goal.
0: Yeah. And what would you say, is maybe down the line a little bit, because you've had a very interesting career. you kind of moved from a very traditional media uh, type job and all that that entails to, it's very radically different. Now, the pandemic was thrown in there, but, but it still changed a lot. And you're now in a tech company, it's a very different, t- just a very different type of sale, but but set up everything. Um, if there was one more change in you before you get to retirement, uh, what would you like to do? Um,
1: I know this sounds a bit mad, but I kind of want to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, I, I feel like I've, I've found what I'm passionate mm. about. Um, I, I feel like... Like sales, overall sales leadership is something that I'm good at and something that I'm passionate about, but also media. Again, I just feel like not necessarily exactly staying in the same course. As I said, like, you know, I did. I've moved. I've made, you know, some difficult moves. Um, sure. I mean, I, I don't know where I'll end up, but um, but I feel like I will probably live in this world for forever. <laughs> they'll be they'll be carting me out in a box. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's funny that I, I've used that phrase myself before, if you, usually in, in the context of a place, that if I can't imagine myself being carried out of there in a box, I know I'm not, I, I know I'm. there's a move there's, there, I, that I'm not going to stay there. Yeah. It's probably the same with a job. If you're content and you're getting uh, your, your your needs met, if there's a nice balance, then why would you change it? Like it's it's yeah. a nice setup
1: i mean i'm I'm in no way saying that I will like i I'd plan on spending the next twenty five years in in Pinterest I'm not saying that, mm. but I am saying in terms of like like I like the way that nowadays people are thinking more about like the playground of their career and it's like you can be this and then you can pivot over to mm. that and and I get that and I think that's wonderful, but I'm content in this mm. space you know in mm. in sales um and in me- media sales, in uh, you mm. know, being the, the
0: supplier, I, yeah. And I'll choir back in there, and it'll be just heaven. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'll, I'll merge the two. We'll be a, a, yeah. a singing a singing sales team.
0: <laughs> yeah, fantastic. There, uh, it's been absolute joy talking to you. I have one last question to ask you before I, I let you get back with the rest of your day. Is when your time on this planet is done, and there's a book written about your life. What would you like it, what would you like the title of the book to be? Oh.
1: Oh my God. Um, I mean, God, that's a really hard question. Uh, I feel as though part of me is just like, I, I just think people need to. Uh, maybe something like um, be kind, be direct and have a laugh.
0: I like that. Yeah. That's a nice, that's a nice balance.
1: Yeah.
0: I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Colin, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thoroughly thank enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. Likewise. Thanks so much for your time, Bob.